At the Cryptid Keeper podcast, we love to laugh at the darkness, but we would never laugh at the rich cultures that explore it, or the unique cultural significance of the creatures explored. The jokes within are on no one but us. We encourage additional research on the subjects covered here, and hope that a comedy podcast is not your primary source of information. Keeper podcast, the podcast for cryptids and their keepers. That's us. And if you're listening, it's you too. I'm Alex Flanagan. And I'm Addison Peacock. And as you can hear, I am a bit under the weather today. So maybe the good folks at home will like that. I spent too much time this morning falling down reviews for the podcasts I'm involved with. And I know that me speaking way too fast is a like a common reason for us to lose stars. So I apologize. <laughs> but um, I'm going to be slow in my role today. I'm going to be keeping it super low key. I feel like it's a shame we're not doing Horror Borealis today because I think my character voices would be like right there. <laughs> I think they'd be pretty, I think they'd be pretty, pretty killer. Pretty good. I need you to know, incidentally, and this is just sort of a fun tidbit for anybody who is a listener of um, a Horror Borealis as well. Somebody was telling me after the last episode, they're like, oh my God, I really want to hear like a bonus episode that is an episode of Mariah and Zoe's radio show. And I was like, here's the thing about that. It's a cool little podcast I need to tell you about called The Cryptid Keeper. <laughs> I was going to say, here's the, the problem with that is that it already exists and we have here's the thing <laughs> going on 70 episodes of it. Oh, goodness. Yeah. So anyway, that's where we're at today. I'm just going to be sipping my tea while Addison here tells me all about the cool, fun friend she's brought for us this week. Yeah, you can sip on the tea and I'll spill it. And you'll spill the tea. (laughs) Not on my laptop, please. No, no, not on mine either. I already had to replace one. Side note, at one point in time, I don't think he remembers this former guest and uh, writer and friend of the show, Henry Galley, promised that on our 100th episode, he would send us British candy bars. And I just want to remind him that he promised that he would do that. And The hour draws nearer. (laughs) Yes, we're about to hit 70. So I just wanted to remind him that he promised he would do that. And then I'm going to just... Put that out there. Let that go. Just little, <laughs> little, little reminder. Little we'll prod. just sort of the secret that went into existence. Exactly. Speaking of dysfunction, I've been watching a lot of a little television show on Netflix.com called BoJack Horseman. Oh God! And when I was trying to figure out what I wanted to cover today, I thought to myself, "Let's see. What's something you can give a really fun little intro about, or make it uh, relevant to your life?" And I thought I could do a California-based cryptid, and I mean. Bojack Horseman kind of is one. And then I thought, horseman, horse man, horse man. So we're going to talk about centaurs. Okay, I'm into it. Okay. And before, is that really a cryptid, though? I feel like you've picked up on the game at this point, and I feel like you should know what I'm going to say, which is, can you prove to me definitively with empirical evidence that the centaur exists or does not exist? No then it is welcome there also are sightings so i'm gonna call it one. Oh, buck wild i love it so as a bit of a like intro if you don't already know what a centaur is a centaur is a half horse half man it's the better halves of that scenario i think because if you want to know i just i don't mean that in like a weird way i just mean like can you imagine like man legs with like a horse torso i mean that is bojack horseman (laughs) 
No, because Bojack Horseman is a human body with a horse head because he has hands. Yes, but not all of his body. Anyway, we're not going to talk about the anatomy of Bojack Horseman. That's a weird... My point is, a reverse centaur would have hooves for hands. Yes. He would be such an inefficient creature. So anyway... If you're not familiar with the centaur, it's half horse, half man. So it is a man from about like the belly button up and a horse from about the belly button down. You've got the four legs, tail, all of that. And then just like a guy torso, you get it. Or or a lady torso or a non-binary person torso. Just I'm not really sure how gender works in the uh, centaur situation, but it's a person torso. So they're from Greek mythology, largely, although there are sort of takes on sort of human horse mixtures. But primarily when we're talking about centaurs, we're talking about ancient Greece. They appear going all the way back to Boeotian, I hope that's correct, uh, vase mm-hmm. paintings. Uh, they, they date back on, um, people see them in renderings in Grecian urns and that art dating that far back. That's kind of the earlier renderings we see of them. And they are, like I said, joined at the waist. They are treated a lot of the time as by writers as metaphors. <laughs> the centaurs are reduced to a metaphor they're treated as being like representative of something caught between two natures living by the law of nature versus the law of man between like the wild and the tame all that jazz they appear throughout greek mythology as one of two things generally in greek mythology they're um the frat boys of the forest or they're teacher figures like chiron which is like i'm not crazy about those two things overlapping (laughs) No, it's not good. I, I kind of almost perceived it as like, um, I could be your angle or your devil kind of. <laughs> I've always sort of interpreted it too as like, it's a sort of, it's all of the best and worst of what man has to offer without like the temper of human civilization, like keeping it quote unquote in check. So it's like mm-hmm. all of the extremes that like man can become, like whether it's a scholar or like, you know, the intellectual nature of man or like the sexual nature of man or that the raw power. And I, I mean, man is like human civilization, but also like centaurs are usually depicted as male. Yeah, almost exclusively. Yeah, but just the idea that like what those sort of things and tendencies can like become when unfettered by the, the human sort of restraint. Mm-hmm. And then in terms of their origin story, if we're looking at ancient Greek stories, there are two <laughs> potential origins and like when you dig into ancient Greek folklore and the way that their gods are interacting, it gets a little wild. So either, I'm just already laughing, I'm sorry, either centaurs are the offspring of Ixion and Nephele. I'm so sorry for my pronunciation, but she is Nephele, Nephele, Nephele. She is a, a cloud woman. Love it. So either the offspring of, of a man and a cloud lady, or they are the offspring of Centaurus with the Magnesian mares. So they're literally a god mated with some horse ladies and made some horse boys as you do as you do or there's like a whole thing with potentially apollo and the daughter of the river god there's a bunch of different potential origin stories but i think regardless of where they come from we know one thing for sure which is that they are horse dudes dudes being horses what's better than this (laughs) what's better than this guys being horses so without further ado i would like to take a wild left turn oh good (laughs) Because I feel like normally I spend a little bit more time on sort of the origin of a creature that I'm covering, but I feel like centaurs are very mainstream. At a certain point, I'm just uh, beating a dead horse. Wow. 
But seriously, they're so prevalent in pop culture. I think we can partially thank the Harry Potter franchise for that. And actually just pretty much anything dealing with folklore or dealing with magic. Centaurs make appearance. If you're familiar with the Percy Jackson franchise, they make appearances through that. They appear in Harry Potter. In terms of creatures covered, they're pretty mainstream and they're also pretty much what you see is what you get. Side note, if you have not read the Percy Jackson series, regardless of what age you are, I do highly recommend it. They're like extremely good and they do a really good job presenting folklore in a way that is relatable and extremely accessible without necessarily quote unquote like dumbing it down. It's really, really cool. I really enjoyed them a lot. I didn't read them until I was like probably a little bit over the projected age range. I started reading them like very late high school, early college. My younger brother was reading them at the time and we got really into them together and I found them just like extremely delightful. Yeah, they're one of my favorite. They were one of my favorite book series when I was younger and they, they continue to be one of my favorites. And we won't talk about the movie adaptations. I am not going to acknowledge they exist. There was also a stage musical, which I've not listened to yet, but I've heard good things about. I haven't dipped my toes into it because it makes me nervous because I got, I've been burned before, so to speak, with adaptations of this series. I'll look into it. I like a musical. I've been known to enjoy a musical from time to time. Now, what I'm waiting for is I'm waiting for the Netflix original series adaptation of Percy Jackson and the Olympians, because that's what we deserved. Yeah. Now that would be good. Mm -hmm. I'm looking forward to that. I would actually go so far as to say that I would prefer... Not prefer, but they're making an Avatar The Last Airbender live action adaptation for Netflix, and they've made a lot of promises. I am dubious because, again, I've been burned before. Look what they did to us last time. But I was going to say, if they're not going to do that one right and they want to just maybe leave it alone because the animated series was perfect as it was, then maybe funnel that energy into a Percy Jackson adaptation. Or give us a really high quality animated Percy Jackson anyway. Ooh, actually, that might be better. Animation is not a bad medium and I want people to stop assuming that it's inherently juvenile there's also nothing wrong with juvenility but anyway back to yes centaurs. back to centaurs so you were just about to take us on a crazy road trip down some strange and winding road I think yes but I would be remiss if I didn't mention satyrs as well while I'm talking about centaurs as a centaur is horse on the bottom like fruit on the bottom yogurt and a man on the top I know a satyr is goat on the bottom man on the top and um, it is, oh God, like the world's strangest mullet. It's uh, business in the front, <laughs> party in the back. No, Alex is shaking her head at me. She doesn't like it. She doesn't like what I'm doing. I do not like it. So um, I really, really like just like the dictionary definition of a satyr is very delightful to me because this is, I, I referred to centaurs occasionally as frat bros of the forest but i also need to touch on satyrs because they are described as one of a class of lustful drunken woodland gods <laughs> in greek art they were represented as a man with a horse's ears and tail but in roman in representation as a man with a goat's ears tail legs and horns so that's fun there is a lot of crossover there they have some horse attributes sometimes but anyway they're not really what i'm gonna linger on the today. more you use the word crossover the higher and higher the likelihood becomes that i'm going to make a bojack horseman crossover episode joke and i don't want to go down that road it's such a low-hanging fruit so it is choose your words carefully i hope you realize that threatening to make the joke is almost the same as making the joke right <laughs> yeah it's like a cool new technique i'm trying out <laughs> good luck with that so 
Swinging back away from staters in over two centaurs, let's make a wild left turn and hop over to Linda Godfrey's blog. Linda Godfrey is a self-described author and investigator of strange creatures. And Linda has a nice little blog entry on her little personal blog on lindagodfrey.com discussing centaurs and elk men and recent reports of them. Okay. Now, I'm not familiar with elk men beyond this blog entry, but I imagine that they are similar to a centaur, but with an elk body. I don't know how you can really tell the difference that much. I feel like it's not that different. I'm going to get so many emails from people explaining the difference between elks and horses. I know they're different. I'm just saying if half of them is a person, I don't know how different they look. So I feel like the tail situation is very different. Okay. You got me there. You got me there. That's true. The tail just slipped by me. I missed it. (laughs) So uh, Linda Godfrey received a report this week. I don't know when this week is because this blog entry is not dated, but it's okay. Always date your blogs, folks. And never date a blogger. Hey. I didn't mean that. I'm sorry. No, I think you did. I might have. It's 2018. So (laughs) she received a call from a woman whose co-worker urged her to call after she told him about an encounter that she and a friend and their siblings had as children. And it occurred on the outskirts of southern Richmond, Virginia. What? Mm Mm-hmm. In 1966, when she was eight years old. Just so you know, they give us a little more insight on this lady. She sounds cool. She's a now 54-year-old former IRS employee and Greyhound bus driver. Oh, right on. So this is from September 1st. I don't know what year because, again, there's no date on this blog entry. But she said, I remember the sighting vividly. She and her friend, along with a few younger siblings, had sneaked out to play in a nearby four-acre park and rec area at dusk one summer night. A creek ran through the acreage, and the group followed a path from their apartment buildings through a tree line that opened onto the play area. The children had been there only a short time, however, when they heard a familiar sound that the writer described as between a movie-style ghost-like moan and the whinny of a horse. They'd often heard the same thing from inside their apartment. Her parents always tried to blame it on a nearby trucking company. But the trucks were most active in the daytime, she said, and the weird noise was only heard at dusk and nighttime. She looked around and saw a tall, dark figure watching her from about a block away. It looked human from the top of its head to the bottom of the torso, she said, but the rest of it resembled the bottom part of a horse. Horse legs, hooves, tail, and all. It was too dark to see its face, she said, but there were no ears, and the head area looked much more hairy and shaggy than the smoothly furred remainder, but she knew at once that no human could imitate the thin legs with hooves. This was not someone dressed in a costume. This thing was real. It was a creature. It was alive, she said. And what is very interesting to me about this description is it sounds, and and of course that could be a being living kind of feirally that of course, like if this is, for instance, someone with facial hair or like the capacity to grow facial hair, like a long scraggly beard and like big kind of scraggly hair, I can kind of see that. But I also, Mm -hmm. my brain started running wild and thinking like it's a centaur, but it's a Bigfoot centaur and there's a hairy head and face and it's just going wild. Side note, Bigfoot centaur, you'd be surprised. There's some overlap. I'll get there. But (laughs) there's like a weird equation of the two at some point in time that I'll talk about. But really quick sidebar, was anyone else as bothered as I was by the fact that the characterization of the centaurs in the Harry Potter movies drastically changed from like the first movie to when they appeared again in I want to say the fifth? Listen, because there's a lot about the Harry Potter books that I don't love. 
Uh, I'm not even talking about the books. I'm talking about it in the movies. But uh, yes. well, there's even more about the movies I don't love. Yes. Okay. It was like a hatchet job. In the first movie, the centaurs roll up and like some of them are jerks. Yeah. But then there's like the one, and I don't remember his name, but the hot one. You, If you're listening, you know who I'm talking about. The hot one. Firenze. Yes, the hot one. And he, look, I was 12 and I was just starting to realize that I loved beautiful monsters. Were you a horse girl or were you a horse girl? <laughs> I'm going to let you fill in the blanks. No, I was actually, oh, we've talked about this. I was a ghost girl, but I was just realizing that I loved monsters and I loved monsters. He shows up in the first movie and he's like very nice, very well spoken and has kind of, if I recall correctly, like a vague English accent, but not quite like something else going on. Cause I think he's supposed to sound mystical. But then in the fifth movie, when they come back, they're like, they don't even like speak with language. They just like yell and grunt and like whinny and like run around and act more like horses slash sexual predators like it's 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 just a very weird shift in what is meant to be the same i imagine the same group of centaurs i don't know that always bothered me it is likely offensive to both humans and horses yes when i was younger the fifth movie came out i remember thinking well that's not how they acted in the first this doesn't make sense this is a lazy choice i don't understand what happened here anyway yep i know i'm sorry i didn't mean i don't want to open a can of worms here but that always bothered me and i don't know when Ever again in my life, I will have a platform on which I can complain about the way that the centaurs were mistreated by the narrative of the Harry Potter films. They also took away uh, the whole arc. Firenze teaches astronomy. Anyway. Yeah, they took away a lot of things. That's true. And again, it's neither here nor there. I have some feelings. This isn't the place for them. We'll save those for our other podcast. How many other podcasts do we have at this point in the fictional space? Uh, None of them are about this, but... We'll make another one. There you go. Love it. The problem with Potter, and it's just a takedown. It's just Alex and Edison after dark. And it's us talking about all the things we want to talk about that we can't on here. Otherwise, we get bad reviews. <laughs> I mean, we already do. So like, might as well. No, I'm kidding. It's true. We actually don't pay attention to the bad reviews. I mean, I haven't looked at her iTunes review in a long time. Here's the thing. And I mean this sincerely. I like constructive criticism and I welcome constructive criticism, but I only take it from people who are willing to put their name on it. Oh, yeah. Well, and here's the other thing, right, is like, thank you so much to everybody who has left us a review, whether positive or negative. Honestly, when you leave detailed reviews that say like, this is what I liked about it, and this is what I don't like about it, as somebody who has looked at reviews myself to decide whether or not to start engaging with another piece of media, that's very helpful. If you just say like, one star, I don't like it, like, that's not useful. But anyway, what I'm going to say is that, like, I have gone through just about all of those reviews. And while I do really appreciate the criticism, it's very difficult to take all criticism into account because very often what you'll get is, like, a lot of our reviews range from people saying, I really enjoy, like, the whimsy and lightheartedness of the content to somebody else saying, like, they don't take this seriously enough. So it's like, you're not gonna win. Yeah. (laughs) You literally cannot please everybody. You just have to, like, decide what your thing is going to be and then make it that and it's not going to be for everybody my biggest example for that back when i actually checked the reviews is we got a lot of things being like they're like running jokes get really old really fast and i was like okay fair let's like cut it back and then immediately yeah so we did so we made a conscious effort to stop doing it for a while and every single person in our facebook group got on our back because they were like what happened to all the fun jokes where's the owen wilson skinwalker voice literally the amount of people who tweeted at us being like where did the owen wilson go yeah it was wild i'm like what do you people want and that's at the end that's the thing you can't yeah and that's been a very important lesson all that just to say that like you have to make the art that you're interested in making and trust that it will find the people who need it 
Exactly. I also just want to point out right now, and of course, if you're the kind of person who would do this, this is not going to reach you. So I don't know why I'm even saying it, but I was going to say constructive criticism is helpful. Just, uh, you know what the least helpful thing in the world is? And I've dealt with being told this since I was since as long as I was able to talk, it's just telling someone they're annoying because it's just that saying, so everything that you do and everything that you are, I don't like it. I'm like, cool. (laughs) I can't fix that for you. I don't know how to help you. I've been this for 23 years. I'm kind of locked in. So sorry. That was a weird little sidebar. But anyway, uh, in all seriousness, it's very much appreciated. And, And genuinely, if you have like constructive criticism, this is me and I'll probably regret this, but like, you know where to find me and you have our email. And if you want to send us an email or tweet at me or do whatever and like say, when you talk super fast, I have trouble processing this audio or or like the words or like this thing bothered me or whatever that I want to know, actually. Oh, yeah. And look, like we're not perfect. We have on many occasions screwed up in ways that are very real and needed to be addressed. And so I'm really, really thankful to the people who have taken the time to say to us. And, you know, you're not under any obligation to like be kind to us if we do something offensive. Like, that's not what I'm saying. Like, you have every right to be as upset as you are if we mess up in that way. But I'm really, really thankful to the people who have taken the time to come to us when something like that happens and say like, hey, you messed up mm-hmm. so that we can publicly apologize and fix it. And then not do it again. And then not do it again. Anyway, I think this sort of like originated from me just being like thinking about the Harry Potter world in general. And like when you screw up, like you're not immune to criticism, but I think how you respond to it definitely says more about you and the kind of art you're making than like, just having a platform so big that you can be like, oh, well, I don't really care about any of that. I won't name any names or anything, but uh, someone who is very much adjacent to the Harry Potter franchise, I think routinely makes that mistake. And by adjacent to, I mean responsible for. I'm not going to name names because spies are everywhere when you talk about a person openly, even though you don't technically say their name. So do you want to know what happened to this former Greyhound bus driver that called Linda Godfrey? I really would like to know. Yeah. Good, because I'm going to tell you. As soon as the beast noticed she was watching it, it began to run toward her, the human-like arm limbs being held in a bent position with elbows slightly to the side. So kind of like an, I'm going to grab you. Oh. Which is, Alex looks troubled. I feel troubled. You can't see, sorry listeners, you can't see what I'm doing right now, but it's like, I'm going to grab you. That's the only way I can. Oh, it's like that, is it? It's like that. Yeah, exactly. So she shrieked, grabbing her four-year-old brother, and the whole group began running for the tree line with the creature in pursuit. It sounded like the beat of horse hooves, even on the grass, she said. When they reached the tree line that marked the edge of the park, she turned around to see where the creature was. It stopped, too, about half a block away, its rear end and haunches partially turned as the torso and head twisted to watch her. She estimated it stood about seven to eight feet tall. The small group continued beating a hurried path to their home. Their parents, naturally, did not believe them, but she says her friend and brother still talk about it with her to this day. She added that she was not one to believe in ghosts and never had any other weird or paranormal incidents. So, that's what happened with that one. Now, I do have another report that she received in last May, from whatever year this was written. Sorry, I'm a bad journalist. Good thing this isn't journalism. This happened in 1970 in Arizona between Sierra Vista and Benson, as two young men drove along Highway 90. So their engine stalled, and they obviously had to stop the car, and they got out to look and see what had happened. Uh They couldn't figure out what was wrong, so they got back in and were just sitting in their broken-down car trying to figure out what to do when they heard the sound of hooves. They turned to look out the rear window, 
and they saw a half-man, half-horse creature rear up and start smashing in the back end of the car with its front hooves. Oh my god. (laughs) Yeah, so far the centaurs, uh, in terms of actual real-life encounters with them, do not seem like particularly nice or friendly folk. No, but they do sound like frat boys. Yeah, they do. I grew up in a college town. This sounds like the aftermath of every football game. Oh, no. There was no mention of separate arms, so I'm not sure about that point. That's just Linda letting us know. His friend began screaming to get them out of there, and the driver's frantic efforts to restart the engine somehow worked, and they sped away. So then the driver told his parents when he got home, and his mother said, This is... Victim blaming is never okay, but the way that this is worded makes me laugh, and I just... In a way that is, like, it's such a very specific and weird type of blaming in this circumstance. And his mother said, Uh What were you doing that caused the devil to show you that demon? Oh my god. (laughs) Look, I'm sorry you were attacked by an abomination of nature. It's not Uh, that I disbelieve that you saw a horrible horse monster, but like, can we talk about this? Son, were you smoking the pot? And that it's 1970 after all. Were you smoking marijuana? Did you perhaps have an unclean thought in your car at night? And so the devil presented you. Have you been tithing recently? Did you lie in confession with Father McKinnon? Did you lie in confession? Is that why the devil has brought down this muscular horseman (laughs) upon you? I hate... Sometimes I hate my brain, and by sometimes I mean a lot. And sometimes it's because it genuinely torments me, and sometimes it's just because it, it just, like, puts the phrase, he's got a body for sin in my head when it's talking about a centaur. And I'm like, oh, I hate but that. But he's a demon, so it's literal sin. It's not, like, in, like, a sexy way. Yeah, no, it's bad, though. It's not good. I don't like it. I said I hated it, in fact, actually. And as we all know, if I qualify something before I say it, that makes it okay. Right. So I've got another one. Now, this woman came to her yesterday from whatever day this was. And it was from a woman who was driving her son on a mountain pass in the Western United States eight years ago. This was uh, in Washington State. Okay. No, I'm sorry. I want to do... I have to get a year on this. So we we don't know what year the article was written, right? But you did tell me that the author was 54 at the time of writing. And was eight in the year 1966? Yes. 1966. Minus eight. Born in 1958, plus 54, 2012. Okay, so this is from 2012. Thank you, Alex. You're welcome. And that's what we call simple mathematics. (laughs) Investigative journalism. (laughs) Yep, that's investigative journalism. So anyway, this was, um, yeah, this was in Washington State and... Apparently, there have been sightings near, I don't know where this is, but in Washington State, if you're from Washington, maybe you'll know, Nespelem, N-E-S-P-E-L-E-M. There had been supposedly sightings of a deer man, not to be confused with the deer woman who we love dearly. (laughs) We're very fond of her. Here come the one stars. No, Uh, um, uh. If we're self-aware, does that make it better? I don't know. It doesn't. Sorry, moving on. Specifically, there are legends in the area about the elk man slash deer man, particularly that he's a portent of death or bad fortune, as many of the things we discuss often are. So the woman who spoke to Linda said that she was with her son and saw a herd of elk, which is a nice thing to see. I like deer. And in the middle of them was one that from, and you're going to lose it, from the neck up was a man. Okay. So it's just a deer with a man head. 
Oh, okay. He was reaching. Oh, no. Okay. So he has arms, but she says from the neck up. So what I'm saying is, in fact, that you know how centaurs are broken up a little bit more like evenly? Yeah. This is a little bit more like if you stack a human torso like on the neck of an elk. It's really bad. I don't like it. Yeah, I don't like that. So anyway, he was reaching up into a tree. There's no way it was a costume. And this is a little bit rude. She says he was ugly. Oh, okay. So, like... That's not very nice. Huh. All right. That's not very nice, anonymous woman. You're not teaching good lessons to your son about respecting others. So, anyway, it was only for a brief second that we saw it, but it was long enough that we both looked at each other and said, did you just see what I saw? And then this is back to Linda. Linda agrees that her sighting is different than a deer man, so to speak. Elk are much larger. And it's unusual to hear of such a creature traveling with a group of ordinary animals. So, there you go. That is the, like, wild left turn I wanted us to take to talk about some somewhat recent sightings. Not, like, so, so recent, but more recent than ancient Greece. So, you know, we're working with a broad spectrum of years here. So I also want to hop over to, we've used this place before, uh, Phantoms and Monsters, which is your daily dose of paranormal, cryptid, and alternative news, eyewitness accounts, and investigations. And this is from November 8th, 2013. And this is entitled Centaurs in North America. So the author of this particular page received an email. This was November 8th, 2013, received an email describing possible centaur evidence found near the Navajo Reservation in New Mexico, northwest New Mexico. So this is early on. Apparently, they did forward all of this information to crypto investigator J.C. Johnson for his assessment. I don't have his assessment. I'm not sure if he ever got back about it. (laughs) Maybe he did. Maybe he didn't. Maybe it's forbidden knowledge and I'm not allowed to see it. But apparently, there was an email received from a person referred to only as M.B. Oh, mysterious. Yes. I mean, to be fair, I think they're just preserving anonymity so that somebody doesn't get like mean emails being like, oh, you're the centaur boy or something i don't know i'm not a bully i don't know what bullies call people but anyway but i'm gonna go ahead and just read an excerpt of the email and this is when my father's friend was younger he was a deputy for the apache reservation police i believe it happened in the early 1980s but i'm not sure one night he was on patrol in his squad car alone on the reservation he was driving along the deserted highway that passed through town when he reached the church he saw something moving back and forth along the church peering in the windows He stopped the car on the highway and observed for a while. It was too dark to make out much at first. Then, the dark shape took notice of him and began moving out of the shadows and into the front of the church. I forget exactly whether he then moved the police car into the parking lot to intercept the man or if he stopped the car shortly after making a move, but either way, the headlights helped illuminate what he saw. Under the orange light of the streetlights was an eight-foot-tall demon centaur, and this has three exclamation points. Oh my god. The bottom half was indeed a dark-haired horse, while where the neck and head should have been was the upper torso of a man. The man was staring right at him as it strolled by, all four hooves clanking on the pavement. Now this is wild. His skin was a dark red, and it had horns on either side of his head. He said that they were like ram horns curled around on either side of his skull. He was terrified, and while the thought of shooting the beast crossed his mind, he reasoned against it. He didn't want to provoke it and have it attack him. It completed crossing the road, and down a steep slope into a farmland field below. Once it reached this open ground, he watched as it started to run away as fast as possible until it disappeared into the darkness and trees beyond. 
He was deeply troubled after the encounter and couldn't reason why a demonic creature would be looking into a building as holy as a church. The way he told the story, you couldn't help but believe it. I'm sure that it actually happened. So, there is actually an update. Okay. This is after the author uh, reached out and found some similar sightings throughout the country. He basically was like, I wonder if there have been other North American centaur sightings. And that was the update and added a couple other sightings. So I'd like to tell you about a couple more of those sightings. Uh, And it says North America for a reason, too. It's because there are also some, there also is one in Canada. If you were curious, we are getting a little bit out of the States today. So I'd like to start with the Canadian one. This was in Alberta, Canada. I'm not giving a date for this one. It says a few years ago. Thank you. Be vague with me. Be as vague with me as possible. And this is just first person. I don't know anything about the person who wrote this either. So here we are. There's definitely a growing phenomena up here in Alberta, Canada. Specifically, the location is better known as, oh gosh, I'm sorry. Here we are again. H-O-B-B-E-M-A. Habema? Habima? So these sightings I speak of occur on the Samson Cree Reserve in and around the high school area. When I first heard about it, I was skeptical and proceeded to tease my friends, thinking they were trying to pull the wool over my eyes. They were neither insulted nor deterred from sharing with me that in conjunction with their own personal experiences, there is actual videotape of this centaur creating violent havoc inside the school in a hallway near the main exit. Oh my god. Are we sure this isn't an elaborate senior prank? Okay, um, anyway... Other stories they shared have to do with the sightings at night, where the centaur actually chases them or appears suddenly out of nowhere. So, there is a whole lot of kind of backstory on the area, but they just said, I'm not a community member of this area, nor have I seen or witnessed anything of the like. However, I have heard this from more than one person from that area, and at this stage, I cannot just write it off to just coincidence. When I heard of this website and the kind of work being conducted in communities across the United States, I realized I had to submit something in hopes of generating interest and hopefully to come across someone else that believes in something of this sort. I need you to know I just had the wildest like push notification come into my brain. Yeah. It wasn't an intrusive thought, but it was like a push notification in my brain, which is just that I got this string of words all of a sudden. I fully understand what that what you mean by that too, but yes. Thanks. I think it was the combination of like school kids and like urban legend and like the last description of the centaur you gave me. So my brain was definitely like thinking along the lines of like man canned car door or whatever oh yeah and instead i just got like ram horn head man horse <laughs> <laughs> and i think that that's how we need to refer to centaurs from now on well they don't all have ram horns but yes ram horn head man horse <laughs> Red- one more time <laughs> ram horn head man horse <laughs> ram horn head i can't why can't i do it is this a ram horn story? head man horse ram horn head man horse Yes. So um, I'm a little confused that when collecting this report, uh, this guy didn't ask his dad's friend uh, what he was doing to cause the devil to send him that demon. Yeah. Like, what were you doing, Chad? To cause the devil to send to you that demon. To cause the devil to send you this demon. <laughs> I, it's such a horrible thing to say to someone who's been through like a scary paranormal experience, but I'm, I, it makes me lose my mind. I, or it just makes me, I, I, I just can't even imagine it's just it's such a ridiculous level of not giving a crap while also believing your son that his car was busted not by him doing something like wrong but by a horseman kicking the crap out of it yeah it's like never doubting the story for a second but also like if such a thing is true then um there's got to be more to it then it definitely has daniel. to yeah daniel what did you do daniel daniel so I have a couple more from this page. There's also a sketch 
a sketch of one of these creatures by Leonard Dan. Leonard Dan is a former senior bridge inspector at the Arizona Department of Transportation. I know this because the link on his name on this page just takes you to his personal Facebook. Oh, nice. But this is Leonard Dan. I'm going to show you because we have a camera now. This is Leonard Dan's sketch. Oh, it's really good. It's a very good sketch done by an adult man. But to be fair, I also would do a similar sketch. I'm not good at drawing. But that's what I meant when I said there's some Bigfoot crossover because the front half is very hairy all the way all the way across like, to the legs too and not like horse hairy. It's like man feet on the front. Mm-hmm. It's, it's wild. So just a quick description, essentially like the drawing by Leonard Dan is less half horse on the bottom, human on the top and more like human on the front and then just like a horse body coming off the back like it is very strange uh but like the front is essentially like a hairy humanoid looking very bigfoot-esque yeah and it's weird because like the front legs are way hairier and more statuesque than the back legs and they have human feet did you notice the human feet i did and there's hooves on the back though don't love it it's like it's a chariot but the chariot part is 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 a horse and the the horse part is a human pulling a horse body around i don't love that directed by tom six okay i'm done now that that was a human centipede deep cut okay anyway i can't believe i said those words on a podcast that i do voluntarily of my own free will i'm so sorry so between battle creek and bellevue michigan uh, in january or february of 2006 a woman was driving alone which is a huge mistake never drive alone at night during a cryptid story yeah you're just asking for ramhorn headman horse <laughs> well that's what you were doing for the devil to send you such a demon anyway so suddenly a creature of very large size jumped over a snowbank and ran 10 yards a second. That's in quotes. So it's Same. as if to say, like, maybe not, but you never know. Coming toward the car. These things do not like cars, you guys. No, they hate them. And the body was described as enormous and its body was as white as the snow around it. So this is this is like a this is like a winter variation. <laughs> it had tiny little legs, like animal goat legs, but very small. Oh. But a huge body. It's like a Shetland pony kind of centaur situation. No, a huge body. Can you imagine? A huge body, No, no, what I'm saying is, can you imagine, like, regular centaur human torso-sized body on a Shetland pony for the horse part? Oh, God. Can you imagine? I can, but I also, I'm also glad that you went there with this, as opposed to I, where I went when she said how small they were. I thought she meant, like, width-wise, and they're, like, spindly. Oh, I don't love that. No, I don't either. It's very bad, in fact. But according to her, it grabbed or reached for the car door handle, but it was locked. She said the fingers were incredibly long, long fingers and nails, which is a very creepy additional element. There's something about, and I've read, and people have talked about this far more eloquently than me and for a long, 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 long time, but there's something about unnaturally long fingers, that is very mm-hmm. distressing. It's why people are not very fond of the I.I., I think, that animal, which I'll have to talk about if we do an episode on animals that people thought were cryptids and are confirmed to exist now, because the I.I. is one. But oh, yeah. it was so incredibly fast that she didn't see a face. And since it wasn't able to get into the car, it just it ran off. But so she's OK. But other people apparently had seen it, too. There was another car of people there, like on the road with her. They had stopped and looked at it at one point. So... 
that's wild and then there was one in florida in melbourne florida and this is another one that's sort of demonically linked and this was a group of children the writer who was 10 years old another boy and that boy's two sisters they were riding bikes together down a sidewalk that ran along the outskirts of the neighborhood at the end of the sidewalk is a beachside highway so uh it says near the highway with me leading the pack the boy put his hand on my shoulder and made me stop riding when I looked back at them, both girls were staring straight ahead with tears in their eyes, and the boy pointed for me to look. Not knowing what they could be pointing at, because I had just been looking that direction when they stopped me, I looked and saw what I can only say was a centaur on the sidewalk in between us and the highway. The sun had just risen above the horizon and was at the creature's back, so the whole figure was cast in shadow, but I could make out that it was very muscular, had a reddish torso, a horse's forelegs, and was over six feet tall. Next to it was a thicket of palmetto and palm trees from which a person could have jumped out in a clever costume, although the quickness of appearance and the incredible detail of the creature would make me doubt that. Needless to say, my first move was to turn around and jet, and the others had already done so. So it didn't follow them or anything, but there's more to this story. It says uh, that they lost touch with the friends and they moved away that year. But it says, when I came back at the age of 15, I lived right by that sidewalk again. And one night from my room, I heard frantic yelling by the road and came out to discover that a kid had been struck by a car crossing from the beach over to the sidewalk where I had seen the centaur. The family was much too shaken up for me to talk with them. And then the boy had passed away, unfortunately, which is sad. But I, so I won't know if he saw something, but it was a very odd coincidence if that basically essentially he's like a he thinks some the misfortune of this is linked somehow i've started trying to recontact my friends to see if they saw the same creature as i did or if we also are saw our own version of what we thought the devil looked like and we didn't discuss it in detail at the time which is a very interesting take to have coming out of that and of course it is worth mentioning since two of these have put it in demonic terms and described it as being red um that in a lot of kind of traditional christian renderings of the devil and not really at the bible the bible doesn't really provide reason for this but in christian renderings of the devil like in terms of kind of the way it's shown in like more modern adaptations in popular media is a red guy with horns and cloven hooves mm -hmm. yeah there are also theories that sort of link and i don't have textual basis for this but basically it's my understanding that there is um enough reason to believe in the chronology of the bible that like the period where you had fallen angels coming down we talked about this some on the angels episode where you had fallen angels coming down and like mingling with the human populace mm -hmm. you ended up with like these really strange sort of crossbreeds and like anomalies and there are theories that link sort of like that period of time with all of the polytheistic mythologies of other cultures so, for example, there are people who think that, like, all of the many, like, demigods and creatures of, like, Greek mythology are really the result of, like, this mingling of these otherworldly beings with, like, you know, interacting with humans and causing all this. So it's fascinating to me that you'd have this creature who has both these roots in, like, sort of Greek theology and also additionally in sort of Christian imagery. Yeah, absolutely. So I have two more of their very short sightings. And then I want to leave you all with a very whimsical Twitter thread that I found during my research course that made me very happy. It's whimsical and factual Twitter thread. But first, I want to leave you with two very short sightings from England. And these are from beforeitsnews.com. Interesting uh, site. The headline, this is from April 16th, 2014. The headline is Witness Encounters Centaur from Greek Mythology. And then the subheader, and I think this is meant to be our centaurs still amongst us, but it's written our centaurs still amongst and then just the letter U, which makes me think it's like a fun and funky like kind of teen target. Our centaurs still amongst you, talking to the teens. So this was located in Upper Hayford, England. 
1996, late at night. Oh, I love that. During a nighttime patrol by a security guard, he heard what sounded like horse hooves apparently galloping. Needless to say, there should not have been any horses in the fenced-off area. The guard was using his flashlight and rounded a corner of a building when the flashlight beam illuminated an unusual sight. A full-sized centaur right out of Greek mythology. The only incorrect feature was that the, oh god, I'm so sorry for what I'm about to do to everyone listening, was that the centaur had human hands and feet on the end of its horse's limbs. Oh. No hooves. Oh. Huh. And the article asks, how did he make a galloping sound of horse's hooves? How did he? The guard, somewhat spooked, ran away from the scene. Yeah, that's troubling, isn't it? Welcome. Imagine with me for a moment. Do I have to? <laughs> You're the slap, slap, slap of bare hands and feet on the ground, but with the rhythm of the, of the galloping of a horse's hooves. I hate it more than I've ever hated maybe anything. <laughs> it's so terrible. It's it's so terrible. I just can't stop laughing because it's the worst mental image I've had in a very long time. Oh, it's and it's so impractical. Yeah. Because hooves are a lot more protection than like bare human hands and not bare, not bare hands and feet, but human hands and feet are when they're not protected by like gloves and shoes and socks and all that are pretty tender and like pretty fragile. Um, yeah, no kidding. You don't want to run around on those. Anyway, so I've got another one. I'm from the same page. Uh, another little short hors d'oeuvre. Just a little like tasty little snippet from Lincolnshire, England. Also from 1996. This was a witness driving down a back road on a very dark night. As he drove down the road, he noticed a shape in the fields on the right-hand side. As he got closer, it moved nearer towards the road, and he was shocked as to what he saw. He saw a creature with the body and legs of a horse, but with a man's face. It was very scary and unpleasant. The witness did not hang around. He drove off at high speed. I do not blame him. That's not written. I just said it in the same cadence for some reason. I don't blame him, though. And the source for these is Paul Devereaux of Haunted Land. So those are my last uh, centaur sightings. And they're not so recent. Like, we don't really... I couldn't find anything after the 90s. But that doesn't mean they're not still around. It's just that maybe they're better at hiding. Or they're all just members of fraternities where everyone is too drunk all the time to notice that like chet is half horse <laughs> i mean look who amongst us doesn't have our own little skeletons in our closet i mean yes we're not gonna drag chet like that he's a great member of the football team okay but those skeletons aren't always decidedly equine alex hey what I wanted to touch on before I got off of uh, the subject and wound us all down um, is I wanted to talk about a fun little, and I found this when I just when I was researching centaurs, I found a Twitter thread between several doctors, like on hashtag med Twitter, discussing the hypothetical situation of treating a centaur for cardiac arrest. Oh. So this Twitter thread started off with Fred Wu, MD, tweeting, Serious question for hashtag med Twitter. If you show up at a code and the patient is a centaur who had cardiac arrest, ignoring the Jules question, where do you think the defib pad should go? A, assuming the heart is the in the human part, or B, assuming the heart is in the horse part? Huh. A fellow doctor, Eric Funk, MD, he's funky, quickly jumped in to kick off the debate, which just, they ended up having this huge debate, which mentioned um, the hagfish. I do just want to go ahead and get my bet in. Yeah. Which is that I'm thinking a human heart wouldn't be powerful enough to pump blood to the entire horse body. So 
I'm gonna guess that it's the horse heart. Well, there's a whole debate about if they even have more than one heart as well, because um, they mentioned uh, the hagfish, which is a creature that has auxiliary hearts in its body to assist with cardiac function in addition to its primary one. So yes, I was gonna say Fred Wu MD responded to Eric Funk, uh, who said, start with A, assuming it's in the human part. And then if that doesn't work, try B with as many pads as you can find turned up as high as they'll go. And then Fred Wu, MD said, it seems doubtful a human-sized heart could maintain adequate circulation for a centaur body. That's right, it couldn't. My money would be on the heart being in the horse chest. Although maybe the human chest contains an accessory heart like a hagfish. (laughs) Well, yeah, because like the human heart, if you're just looking at it, like breaking it down, a centaur body is not that much bigger than a horse body. Right, because like by the time you factor in like the size of the horse neck and head situation, not really that much shorter than a human torso addition, right? Like there's not that much just mass difference. The biggest difference is going to be in the arms, the additional extremities. Whereas if you're looking at like a human body um, is pretty much only good for like the size of the human torso and the front two legs. Like then you've got a whole rest of a large, like more than half the body is still unaccounted for. So the horse heart can probably still do the amount of work it needs to do with the human heart, definitely. Eric Funk says, assuming two hearts, I would suspect the human heart supplies the brain. Therefore, I'd prioritize that one. If the human part, if the human part, if the horse part goes completely ischemic, then and has to be amputated, so be it. Oh, man. I love the seriousness of this conversation between two doctors. I'm just so delighted by the fact that even people who have a quote unquote, or actually not a quote unquote, doctors are important, a very important job, still talk about like, ridiculous stuff on twitter and the fact that that happens makes me very happy fred Wu says you don't think that if the human heart arrests the horse heart would be able to maintain adequate cerebral perfusion by itself i honestly don't know i've been thinking about this all week (laughs) oh that's very good i love this so much anyway they go on a little bit more and continue with the hagfish debate and uh talk about like how to use like how high the energy of the defibrillators because that Mm -hmm. might not be enough to get it through the thickness of a horse's chest they talk about potential of using you might want to use an internal defibrillator in that situation and then someone else rolled up who is an emergency cns rolled up and said okay zap cumin while the thumper continues on horse chest if first zap unsuccessful get out the internal defibrillators chop the horse open and find its heart zap welcome back zip them back up oh my gosh i love these people this this happened recently this conversation happened on july 27th of 2018 that's very good and so they could the conclusion fred Wu concluded it at 8 13 p.m mark it down on your calendars folks july 27th 2018 he says it doesn't seem like human-sized lungs would have enough capacity for two-thirds of a human and two-thirds of a horse i still tend to think the heart and lungs would be mainly in the horse part and maybe some accessory heart slash lungs in the human part so you guys were on the same page from the get-go but i just oh well hey good to know yeah, good to know, right? Like, you you know centaur anatomy. You're ready. I just know basic principles of biology. That qualifies you as a centaur doctor. So I just wanted to close with that because nothing thrills me more than seeing people who are, for all intents and purposes, like, people who should be, quote unquote, above silly stuff, be engaged with it and just, like, really commit to it and be really invested in it. it makes me so happy. My favorite tweet in that entire thread is when he says, I honestly don't know. I've been thinking about this all week. Well, it comes down to like what we've talked about a lot before on this podcast, actually. And it's one of my favorite topics to circle back around to is that like, there's so much in this world that will steal your joy away. Like there's nothing wrong with making the active decision to maintain whimsy in your life. Absolutely. There are things you can choose to actively like believe in and participate in. Like you can choose 
to inject a sense of wonder into your everyday. You don't have to give up on those things because you've reached a certain level of academic qualification or because you've like gotten to a certain age or because there are certain things around you that are bad. Like, yeah, a, a big portion of the world right now is like upsetting. There are a lot of things a lot of people are struggling with every single day. There are a lot of burdens placed on you by the systems that we live in, but you can still make the active conscious decision to participate in things that bring you joy. And if anyone tries to steal that from you, then they're wrong. Yeah. And like, there's a power in somebody be saying like centaurs aren't real and you being able to say, I choose to believe that they are like, it's not me being fooled by something. It's not me being like having the wool pulled over my eyes. Like I'm not being hoaxed or, or, or foisted upon, you know, it's just like, I choose to believe in this thing because it brings me joy. Yes, exactly. And and people who do that are the same people are like the Reddit atheists who like look at someone being completely like harmless and just saying something like kind of generically like faith based, but like, again, harmless and nice, like, oh, uh, like, that's such a blessing or like, oh, I'll keep you in my prayers and being like, God's not real. Yeah, you know, after... After very many years of people telling me I should watch Twin Peaks and me finally watching Twin Peaks, I'm very into it. And I am extremely enamored of the character of special FBI agent Dale Cooper. But one of his whole things is that like this belief that even when you're in a position where like you are investigating horrible supernatural murders in small towns full of dark secrets, like you can choose to give yourself little like moments of joy and enthusiasm and delight in every day. And I think that's really excellent. Mm hmm. I say this without an ounce of irony. Um, he is a self-care icon and his little philosophy of doing something nice for yourself every day actually has been a very big part of me making sure to kind of take care of myself when I have the opportunity. And it's really good. So take a moment today to think about centaur anatomy and then carry on with whatever it is that you have to get done because mm-hmm. those other things do still have to happen. But if you can just think about horse hearts in there for like a second. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's a little bit easier. Exactly. Anyway, do you have anything else for us? I mean, I do, but it's it, we're already at an hour and I don't... Gotcha. So I just want to go ahead and say that if you want to uh, just really freak yourself out and go down another kind of, kind of centaur-adjacent rabbit hole, that there is a, another creature that I came upon while reading about the centaur and... Oh, at this point, you should just never expect me to pronounce something correctly again. And it's a... a figure in uh, some Scottish lore as well as appearing in some Nordic lore. There's some weird crossover there, but uh, it's kind of a water centaur and it's a Nuklavi. Nuklavi? I've heard of that, yeah. And it's 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 frightening. It's very spooky. Um, there is a, p- a piece that if you want to read it, it's very interesting. Um, it's from transceltic.com and it is just entitled Nuklavi, the malevolent creature that terrorized Scotland's Northern Isles. And it's a really interesting little read by Douglas McQueen. And it's only, it's very recent from March 8th, 2018. I don't really have time to dive into this sucker. So uh, if you want to read about it, it's neat. It's kind of a water horse, water centaur demon thing. But yeah, uh, those are centaurs. There's obviously a ton in the Greek mythology that we could go into, but I just was so enamored with all the sightings and the sort of more modern versions of them that I wanted to dive straight into that. Yeah, I had no idea. That's really fascinating. Yeah. So I wanted to dive straight into that. But obviously, if you want to read more about centaurs throughout folklore, uh, and there's so many stories, there's so many Greek myths about them, like you can, and, and it's definitely interesting. Uh, that's the other thing I was. I was not a horse girl. I was a, I was a kid who got way too deep into Greek mythology. 
Oh, yeah. I was one of those. I think you'd be hard-pressed to find somebody who listens to this podcast who wasn't. <laughs> it's true. I uh, was Persephone for Halloween one year and got really mad that people didn't know what I was. One year I dressed up as Legolas for Halloween and everybody thought I was Robin Hood and I got really mad. Oh, no. I was nine. Spera, I, I think I've talked about this, but I'm the queen of obscure Halloween costumes as a child that nobody got, and I was furious. It wasn't really that it was obscure. It's that I was a nine-year-old girl, and people were like, oh, are you Robin Hood? Aww. And I was like, no. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. Oh. <laughs> Did you have a long blonde wig, though? No, I had long hair, but it wasn't blonde. I didn't go for the wig. And that's where you went wrong. No, I'm just... Um, um, well, like, lots is actually brunette in the books. Okay, okay, all right, you're right, I'm sorry. <laughs> That's, you're right, that was the problem. That was the problem. Okay. Anyway. So anyway, I think that uh, I think that's going to take us to the end. And those are... <sighs> Thank you, everybody, for joining us today and every week that you're here with us. We appreciate having you. Yes, thank you. Thank you for being here. And do you have any uh, wrap-up things to... I'm sure I do, but the flu medicine is not going to let that happen. So <laughs> take care of yourselves today. Make sure you're getting your vitamin C. I had about 2,000 milligrams at the front of this sucker, and it did nothing. Okay. There you go. As always, we hope we can keep you around and stay safe out there. <laughs> <laughs>